Biblical polygamy continues to be a very misunderstood topic. We'll talk about it next on Polygamy. What love is this? There are a couple of comments about the David and Bathsheba affair that we want to make before we the answer. Affair. <laughs> the affair. The huh? affair. Before we answer a question from an email that we recently received. A few days ago, I had a conversation with a lady who has left polygamy but continues to have discussions with her polygamous friends who are trying to convince her to return. One of their tactics is to bring biblical polygamy into the conversation, and almost every time this happens, David and Bathsheba become primary examples they use to prove that God loves polygamy. This time they claimed that polygamy must be God's plan because he told David he would give him more wives and that God mm. gave Bathsheba into David's arms. Well, that's such a twist of the actual events, it's hard to believe that they themselves believe it. Like I said, we've discussed David and Bathsheba many times in the past, yet some of our viewers do not read the text for themselves to discover what it actually says. So here is the most informative verse. From 2 Samuel 12, verse 8, And I gave thee thy master's house and thy master's wives into thy bosom, and gave thee the house of Israel and of Judah. And if that had been too little, I would moreover have given unto thee such and such things. Okay, that's the text. Uh -huh, okay. So it doesn't say here or anywhere that God would have given David more wives, no. or that he placed Bathsheba in David's arms. It does say that he gave uh, thy master's wives into thy bosom, which is a Hebrew euphemism into thy care. Oh. Okay. However, the context, in other words, the full story of this uh, David and Bathsheba, does imply that David, that God is reminding David through Nathan, that David could have chosen from all the single women of Israel from which to take a wife. And with those options, why did he take a married woman? That's the whole point. It's parallel, actually, to Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. God told them that they were free to eat from every tree or any tree in the garden except one. And they chose to take the fruit from the one forbidden tree, and that's what David did with Bathsheba. Now, verse 8 is not God giving David other wives. It is not God commanding polygamy, nor is it God putting Bathsheba into David's arms. And how does this even relate to the current manner in which polygamists today take plural wives? <laughs> Not the same. <laughs> There's no comparability whatsoever with Old Testament polygamy and today's Mormon polygamy. Also, we need to explain to all those who make inaccurate claims about the Bible and taking passages out of context... It's imperative that we get an absolute picture of what God is teaching about anything in all of the Bible, cover to cover. One passage, one verse is not enough to establish full teaching on almost any topic. When God says not to do something, how many times does he need to say it before we believe him? <laughs> A minimum number. <laughs> I don't know. It seems like they think, well, he only said it here. He didn't say it here. Well, how many times does he have to say it? That's a good question. Yeah. Last time we answered some viewers' questions and comments, but there was one more email that we did, were unable to get to, and so we want to answer that one now. I have a few questions regarding polygamy in the Bible. I'm not affiliated with a Mormon association, and I've watched quite a few of the 
polygamy, what love is this videos, which brought up quite a few good points against polygamy, namely how Abraham turned Hagar away while he was with Sarah and didn't take his second wife until Sarah passed away. Another good point was how after David was punished by God, he went to seek the Lord out and stopped sleeping with all of his other wives except for Bathsheba. But I also didn't see anything that really condemned polygamy. I have little doubt that monogamy is the standard that God set, but I'm not sure if polygamy is a sin. There is a verse in Ezekiel where God talks about being a husband to the house of Judah and Israel, and I find it odd that this analogy would be used if he was against polygyny. Polygyny. Also in 2 Chronicles 24, Yoash had two wives, but was said to have done right in the eyes of the Lord by the prophet that brought Joash to the two wives. Now it wasn't said if this was done at the same time or different, but I'm assuming it was. Is there any clarification for why this would be so if polygamy was an abomination unto God? Thank you for taking the time to read this, and I hope to hear a response when possible. Okay, and I did respond to him, but I wanted to oh, share this on the, okay. on, on the show so others who might have the same questions could also receive uh, some of the answers. And these are questions that we have addressed through the years, um, except perhaps the Joash um, incident. It's amazing how many times we can respond uh, to people who watch, to questions, the people who watch the program, and they don't seem to pick up on, on some of the things that we talk about. And so we talk about them again on yeah. a subsequent show. And that's okay because we want to hear from our viewers and we want our message to be absolutely clear. And of course, we will answer the same questions over and over again, trusting that at some point, uh, biblical truths will draw more people than do the writings and the opinions of mere humans. Uh, at the same time, it is encouraging that that viewer, that viewer absolutely understood the Hagar, Abraham, yes, yeah. uh, and the David and Bathsheba right. uh, events. But So we'll begin with his statement that he said he's not sure the Bible sees polygamy as a sin. Oh, well, many people say that. Many, many people do. Hmm. Uh, well, the biblical definition of sin is the idea of missing the mark. We gave the definition of sin That's in a right. previous program. Right. It's missing the mark. The mark or the high standard that God has set for us is based on His Word and His commands. For instance, in the Ten Commandments, which are listed in Exodus chapter 20 and Deuteronomy chapter 5, we read this as the Seventh Commandment. Very clear. You shall not commit adultery and you shall not commit <laughs> adultery. <laughs> now, it's identical in both passages, right? right? Now, polygamy is multiple spouses of either the male or the female. Polygony, which he mentioned earlier, is where yeah. the male takes multiple spouses. Okay. Ma males having more than one spouse was a cultural thing in the Old Testament days. And if the legal wife was unable to have children, a man could take a second wife. And she never had the same legal standing as the first wife, but legally she was protected as a secondary wife. And the children that she gave birth to did have legal standing as a man's rightful children and mm. heirs, as it applied. Plural wives <clears throat> and their children in today's Mormon polygamy have no legal protection or legal rights mm. at all. It was normal, especially for rulers and kings, to have harems, and the people didn't seem to think there was anything wrong with it. However, God created Adam and Eve, 
He did not create several women for Adam. When Noah went to the ark, he and each of his three sons had only one wife each. Both of these events would be prime timing for God to institute polygamy. Yeah, you'd think so. But he didn't. Yeah. When God brought Eve to Adam in the Garden of Eden, Adam got pretty excited about her. Just Eve alone was presented to him and the text does not include multiple females uh, in fact notice in the following verses everything is in the singular not the plural yeah this is all from genesis chapter 2 verses 18 22 and 24. the lord god said it is not good for the man to be alone i will make a helper suitable for him then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man, and he brought her to the man. And for this reason a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and they will become one flesh. Okay, Sounds so like, it's pretty simple there. Yeah. <laughs> Notice verse 18 where God said he would make a helper suitable for Adam. Now that word helper is the same word used to express help we get from God. So obviously Eve was in equal standing with Adam. One wife, one helper, singular, not plural. If it was good in God's eyes for a man to have plural wives, why not here? In fact, the passage tells us that everything God had done was very good. So monogamy was very good, not polygamy. In verse 22, the Lord made a woman, singular. He made her from a rib <laughs> of Adam, singular. Not many women and not many ribs. All singular, none plural. So why not, if polygamy was such a good and grand and godly practice, as polygamists claim? That makes such good sense. <laughs> now. <laughs> In verse 24, it says, a man will be united to his wife. The two will become one, all singular. Now, Jesus affirmed this in Matthew 19, 5, where he specifically said the two would become one. Now, this is not just referring to the sexual act, although that was no doubt part of it, but the two will be one united unit, which can never happen with a man who has plural wives. Anytime anyone goes against God's perfect plan, sins against God's plan. God's high and perfect standard is monogamy. Polygamy misses the mark. Polygamy was a particular sin for Israel's leaders and kings. In Deuteronomy 17:17, 17, 17, it says, He, the king, must not take many wives, or his heart will be led astray. And that happened with Solomon. Yeah. You know, sometimes the polygamists use Solomon as an example. That's a poor example. Of, of being a polygamist, <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. In fact, I think uh, Joseph Smith did, didn't he? In, yeah. in uh, section 132, he mentioned right. Solomon. Now, Deuteronomy 17:17 17, 17, prohibits polygamy for the leader, the king of his people. The leader should always set the example for the people. And both then and now the leaders actually take more wives than anyone else does in the group, polygamy groups and even That's in right. then. And yet I hear some of the arguments polygamists have given me as well, well the king couldn't take many wives but that doesn't mean the people couldn't. Oh. But then why do they use the kings as an example, David and Solomon? That's right. You know, I mean, they just go all over the place trying to prove their point. And how many did Warren Jeffs have? Oh, uh, somewhere at least 80. 
and maybe more. Oops. <laughs> oh, yeah. Dear. Now, the Bible, without comment, often records uh, the people's disobedience. Many times, uh, they will just state what happened, the Bible will state what happened, and not comment that it was a good or a bad thing. But that doesn't indicate that their behavior was okay with God. No. For example, the Ten Commandments says, Thou shalt not bear false witness. How many times have any of us told a lie? Mm-hmm. What did God do to you when you told the lie? <laughs> God is not a celestial policeman. He's not carrying around a whip and a chair to beat us up every time we sin. No, he did not do it then, and he doesn't do that now. Did the Old Testament polygamists suffer consequences for their polygamy? Many of them did. We want you to know that one of God's amazing attributes is patience. Yeah, we read this from Romans 2, 4. Or do you show contempt for the riches of his kindness, tolerance, and patience, not realizing that God's kindness leads you towards repentance? In 2 Peter 3.15, it says, Bear in mind that our Lord's patience means salvation. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. And, you know, when I was first studying this out, I had to do a real good Bible study on polygamy when I first uh, started studying this out. And I was so amazed of his patience. And, and the Bible, the Old Testament. I never understood that before, I guess. Yeah, uh, yeah. No, huh? no. No, I thought he was a celestial peace policeman yeah. with a whip in the chair ready to zap me <laughs> with one of his lightning bolts, Not you know? realizing he was kind and patient. Yeah, <laughs> yes, absolutely. A, and, and that means salvation because the longer he waits story. for us to repent, you know, we have that opportunity to repent. But his patience does wear thin, <laughs> and the Bible does talk about that. And consequences must happen. And if you want to read the consequences of accumulated disobedience of the Old Testament people of Israel, read the book of Lamentations. It's horrifying. If you want to read the consequences of accumulated disobedience for contemporary planet Earth dwellers, read the book of Revelation. Sin against God will never go unpunished. There are choices. Eventually, you suffer for your own rebellion against God, or the only alternative is to place your life and trust into Jesus' care, and He will apply His suffering and death on the cross to your sin debt. That's what it's all about. It really is. Yeah. It's what it's all about. It's a bottom line. Polygamy will not pay for any of our sins. And it didn't pay for Abraham's or David's or Solomon's sin. And it won't pay for yours. We should all be grateful for God's patience and grace because without it, there is no alternative for sin's consequence. The next thing our viewer expressed was doubt that polygamy was an abomination to God. Now, Leviticus chapter 18, we've done that chapter several times on our program. But it's replete with sexual sins that God calls an abomination. You can grab the Bible and read that chapter for yourself. Uh, and some of those sexual sins include polygamy and incest, which all polygamy groups practice. Yeah, Leviticus chapter 18, verses 3 and 4. You must not do as they do in Egypt, where you used to live, and you must not do as they do in the land of Canaan, where I am bringing you. Do not follow their practices. You must obey my laws and be careful to follow my decrees. I am the Lord your God. And in verses 24 and 25, 
Do not defile yourselves in any of these ways, because this is how the nations that I'm going to drive out before you became defiled. Even the land was defiled, so I punished it for its sin, and the land vomited out its inhabitants. Now, when you get into the chapter and read the whole chapter, you will find that polygamy and incest and other sexual sins were part of what God is talking about here, that these people were defiling themselves mm. in their behavior. And this should be clarification for our viewer that God does see polygamy as an abomination. And to review chapter uh, 18, which prohibits uh, polygamy and incest, all kinds of sexual deviancy, but probably the most authoritative statement against polygamy would be Exodus 20 and Deuteronomy 5, thou shalt not commit adultery. What else needs to be said about it? Why isn't that enough? How many times and in how many different ways does God have to say something before we believe it? Polygamists argue, but God allowed it. Yeah. It must be okay. Well, God allows all kinds of sins, even today, and still does not. It's not okay with him. No. But he still allows it, and we still do them. And sometimes it is in the Bible. And it's recorded, but it, it re doesn't mean that it's it okay. It records the behavior, but right. that doesn't mean it's a command. Right. And finally, our viewer questioned a passage in Ezekiel, which says that God was a husband to both Judah and Israel. He believes that the analogy suggests a polygamous relationship. Hmm. Actually, it doesn't. First of all, it is not a statement to be used for prescribed or even acceptable behavior. It's an analogy. But most importantly, Judah and Israel were two parts of the same nation. They were all Israelite, one people, one nation. If you go back and read biblical history on the nation of Israel, you will discover that although they had disagreement and separation after Solomon died, Israel and Judah were still one nation, two kingdoms because of disagreement, but one nation which God had brought out of Egypt. So the analogy hitting God as a polygamist falls apart at the very beginning. And I thought I would bring quickly bring this in. Remember the stick of, of um, Joseph. As Joseph in Ezekiel that yeah. they used to say it's, the, yeah. it's, it's the prophesying the Book of Mormon? Right. Well, what that is is the same thing that we're talking about here. It's one stick where they'll bring Judah and Israel back together as one kingdom. One nation. That's all it is. And, and in fact, it, the, the text where the Mormons pull it out of context yeah. actually explains that that's what it means. It doesn't yeah. explain that it's a, a future book. We usually quote, I think, it's like 15 through 17, but for 13 or 14, something like that. But in verse 20 or 22, it explains that it's what it just is. about bringing the it's nation. It's one nation. One nation. Yeah. One nation together. And so that's the danger of taking verses out of context. Yeah. Totally out of context without reading the entire story. I did that. That's why we used all the time as missionaries. Mm -hmm. This Ezekiel. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So, uh, so just because God uses the analogy of Judah and Israel cannot mean that he is okay with polygamy. No. And then next he questioned King Joash, who had two wives. Here's the passage. In Second Chronicles 24 and 23, or 24 verses 2 and 3, Joash did what was right in the eyes of the Lord all the years of Jeho 
Jehoiada, Jehoiada, the priest. Jehoiada chose two wives for him, and he had sons and daughters. Okay, now here's one of those where behavior seems, they, they mistake behavior for a command. Yeah. Well, why did God allow this? This is his priest. This was the king, you know, and all of that. Well, they can disobey God, too. <laughs> yeah, know? and it was him that did it. It wasn't God. <laughs> and, right, absolutely. Right. Uh, it was a priest who chose the wives for Joash. Right. Uh, now, we don't know the circumstances behind this action, but we do know Deut Deuteronomy 17, 17, and Joash and the priest Jeho Jehoiada also knew about Deuteronomy 17, 17. Yeah. And they disobeyed it. They willingly and knowingly chose to disobey it. Joash became king at the age of seven. Now, it doesn't record how old he is when he got married. There were no details about the marriages or his wives. Perhaps there was pressure to have a harem, like they did in those days. Or uh, perhaps Joash's first wife was unable to have children. Or perhaps he made an agreement with someone's father uh, to take his daughter as a wife. We don't know, and the Bible doesn't say. But we do know what God has told us. And that is that polygamy has never been and is not stated anywhere in the Bible that God commanded it or that is essential for Mormon exaltation. The Bible doesn't say people won't disobey it because they do yeah. and they have. But that's the whole point. Polygamy changes God's pure gospel message. <laughs> Where it is said that Joash and other kings did right in the eyes of God is not in the context of polygamy. It's in the context of idolatry. Mm. There's many kings that he said did right in the eyes of God. They did, they sinned in many different ways, but it was always, always leading the pe people whether to worship the one true God or go into idolatry like the nations around them. Mm. We quote Second Chronicles. Yeah, verse uh, chapter 24 again, but verses 17 and 18. After the death of Joah, Jo Jehoiada, the officials, I tried that so many times. Jehoiada. <laughs> yeah, Jehoiada. The officials of Judah came and paid homage to the king, and he listened to them. They abandoned the temple of the Lord, the, the God of their fathers, and worshipped Asherah, poles, and, and idols. Because of their guilt, God's anger came upon Judah and Jerusalem. So we can see something going on here. Yeah. You know, they mention the failings of Joash, and they mention the good things that he did as well. Okay? But you can see here that idolatry was the big sin um, of Joash and also of much of Old Testament Israel, the southern and the northern kingdom. And obviously, there was a problem with Joash's heart yeah. or he never would have fell into idolatry. Perhaps that's why he disobeyed Deuteronomy 17, 17. It was a heart matter. Yeah, and it looks like they abandoned the temple. And, and I know they used mountains and groves and uh -huh. high places and, uh -huh. and felt like... And that was all was, idol worship. Yeah, for idol worship. For idol worship. Yeah. So that's, that's the story of, of Joash. He did, he did right at the beginning, but then he fell into sin later. Any disobedience to God in anything is wrong. But <clears throat> the beauty of the biblical gospel is that Jesus came to exchange the guilt of our sin for his gift of righteousness. Those who believe in Jesus and trust his work on the cross for sinners will be cleansed from all sin. And then God declares the believer as being righteous. He imputes Jesus' perfection to the repentant sinner. 
those who reject or ignore Jesus's redemption and rely upon their polygamy or anything else remain unrepentant sinners and consequences are awaiting. This is true regarding all the polygamists in the Bible as well as any sinner throughout all the ages. We read Romans. Yeah, these are good. Romans 3, 12 through 11, I'm sorry, 10 through 12. As it is written, there is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands, no one who seeks God. All have turned away. They have together become worthless. There is no one who does good, not even one. And Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So yeah, the Old Testament people sinned. Yeah. Yes, the Bible records it. No, that's not a command from God to go ahead and do it ourselves. Right. We're all sinners and eternal life is a gift. It's a gift that we cannot earn with polygamy or anyone else. And finally, again, we need to say, polygamy behavior and practice does not indicate God's acceptance of it. Polygamy was never commanded by God anywhere in the Bible. Any polygamist argument needs to remember that. It's never commanded. Polygamy was never mentioned by God as being essential for salvation or exaltation. Polygamy was never decreed by God as being necessary for His glory, as Joseph Smith claimed. Joseph Smith labeled the new and everlasting covenant as necessary for everyone who knows about it. So those who have been taught about polygamy and then refuse to embrace it, according to Mormon doctrine, will be damned. So polygamy becomes the Savior. Yeah, this is from Doctrine and Covenants 132, verse 4. For behold, I reveal unto you a new and everlasting covenant. And if ye abide not that covenant, then are ye damned. For no one can reject this covenant and be permitted to enter into my glory. No one can reject it. That's so right. you and Carla were doomed when you were a Mormon because you knew about it and you rejected it. That's right. We, we were in trouble from the get-go. <laughs> that, yeah. That's Mormon scripture. Come that, on, that is Mormon scripture. And it's true. a big fat lie, of course, and it's used by polygamists to guilt trip girls into polygamy. Now, the LDS say this new, this new covenant is temple marriage. But why would the lack of temple marriage be so bad to cause people to be damned? Does that make sense? No. How can it be that serious unless they redefined damnation, which they did? <laughs> but there were no temple marriages in biblical history, and Joseph Smith cannot have restored something that never first existed. Polygamists want to force what they say, the Bible says, into the conversation to justify their polygamy, but none of what they say or teach is found in the Bible. And the polygamists, uh, Abraham, da uh, Jacob, and David, um, never treated their wives uh, as in the oppressive and misogynistic way that today's Mormon polygamists treat their families. The Bibles are justification, but not their guideline. First, polygamy and all of this reeks of being man-made. It really does, doesn't yeah. it? <laughs> it does. It does. And, the, and that was always illegal. Here always illegal. Yeah. Everywhere Joseph Smith, everywhere the Mormons went, it was illegal. Yeah. Well, thank you again. You bet. We've answered a lot of questions, so we'll save up some more for another future show, hopefully. Good, good. Recently, I was listening to a radio program um, by Mormonism Research Ministry, 
And they observed that many LDS folks have no problem dealing with the polygamy of Brigham Young, but when they hear the truth about Joseph Smith's polygamy, they go ballistic. Yeah. <laughs> and that's been true in my own experience. Uh, some polygamists don't even want to see Joseph Smith in the light of having married married women. Either history is wrong, they say, or God had a good reason for Joseph Smith to do it. Then both answers fall short of the truth. God did not, in fact, he could not have commanded any polygamy for Joseph Smith or anyone else. He doesn't change. He's holy through and through and cannot go against his own holiness. And the early Mormons called polygamy a most holy principle. But God calls it disobedience. The Bible is God's revelation of himself. Study it and discover the truth about him for yourself. And you will find eternal hope without polygamy. Thank you for watching. This has been the audio podcast of Polygamy, What Love Is This? with host Doris Hansen. Polygamy, What Love Is This? is produced by A Shield and Refuge Ministry. More information on this program, including the video version of it, can be found at whatloveisthis.tv. If you have any questions or need help getting free from Mormon fundamentalism, write us at contact at shieldandrefuge.org or call us at 1-800-877-425-9993.